0: Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, Day 46. It's now been 15 weeks, three days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today is a really cool day, Day 46. And today is also Stefano's 46th birthday. is it that cool? 46, 46. I'm a sucker for synchronicity and for signs and omens and for cool things in life. So very happy birthday to Stefano, and yesterday was my good friend Cheryl's birthday, so happy birthday to her. And in their honor, rather than doing our usual I'm Letting Go snippet by Josh Woodward, I'm going to open with a birthday song from the free music Archive org site. Remember, they did a contest where people did birthday songs for Creative Commons, so folks like me wouldn't have to spend a zillion dollars on putting a happy birthday song on the air. And this one is called Birthday Song by Joe Milutis. Happy birthday, you guys. Birthdays are fun. Birthdays are nice. Birthdays come once a year, not twice. Happy birthday, Stefano Happy birthday Cheryl For Here's to being here once more Here's to being here once more Here's to being here once more Stefano and Cheryl Well, what do you think? It's kind of cool to open with a celebration song, wasn't it? Though I must admit, I'm really kind of missing Josh's I'm letting go reminder today. In fact, I might have to go to my past episode and re-listen to my snippet of I'm letting go in order to let go. Yesterday was very, very challenging for me, just super challenging. Not only did I have a robot alien attack my own self in the morning, but I, as a people-pleasing Lori my entire life, had to say the hardest no that I've ever, ever had to say. So my topic, after we talk about shout outs and after I read some comments and letters from the True Companions, my topic is going to be robot alien attacks versus pure grief. Or in other words, covering up our feelings versus feeling our feelings. And I found out yesterday that they're very different and my reactions to them are very different. But first, I want to give a very happy shout out to all my buddies on Facebook who for the last several days of my my back woes and everything else have been giving me great, great support and likes and comments so Abby especially she gave me an exercise to help me make my back feel better and yes my back is still thrown out I'm still here at Descanso Garden wandering around with my cane but Abby that really did help me quite a bit and I slept better last night than I had for a while so thanks for that and I'll be posting a link to Abby's exercise in case you guys want to do something to help your back someday also thanks to Sue Jody, Anne, Gwen, Marie, my husband Mark, and my friend Alicia for coming onto Facebook and liking and commenting and basically supporting me on Facebook. Now another shout out that I've been very tardy giving is my anonymous five-star rating person on iTunes because I noticed a week or so ago that I'd gone from nine ratings to ten ratings. Now, when you stop like Abby did and you write a review, I can kind of guess who you are or thank you by your screen name for iTunes. But if you just stop by and post the stars, I don't know who you are. But one of you, somebody who likes this podcast, did take the time to leave a five-star rating, which is really nice, and it helps me move up the what's hot list. Now why is that important Lori you might say well it's one way that I can gauge outside of whining about are you commenting but I can gauge the listenership of the podcast because podcasts on the what the what's hot list on iTunes is uh, The way they do it is by subscriptions, by download activity, how many people are actually doing this, and a big factor is also when you get ratings or comments. So if I zoom up a hundred places in the, the what's hot list, I know someone is taking the time usually to comment or to leave a rating. But I'll tell you, this is how compulsive overeating diary has been. I'd say recently I float between the 300s and the 200s, mostly hanging right around that 200 mark. Kind of like my weight, right? I mean, 207 still. But compulsive overeating diary, the very best I've ever done in the what's hot list is 141. Okay, and I think the worst I've done lately is maybe 346. Now that doesn't sound like so great to be 346 in the hot list until you know that The entire hot list for my category, which is personal journals, is over 2,000. So in reality, I'm hanging either in the top 10% or top 15%, top 20% pretty well. And for a brand new podcast, that's really good. So why am I bothering you? Well, one, if you're an iTunes user and you feel like it, I would appreciate it and love it if you would give me a nice rating or a review if it's in your heart to do so. Obviously, if it's not in your heart to do so, I don't want it. Because one of the things I'm most proud of is that every single review and every single rating that I have on there are real. None of them were begging my friends to give me reviews. None of them were paid reviews. None of them were, I'll trade you a review for your review. Every single one of those reviews on iTunes and every single one of those ratings was real. The only one that I asked for was the very first one from my husband, Mark. But I said, say whatever you really think, honey. And believe me, he's the kind of guy who does. And if he didn't have liked my podcast or thought it was crap, he would have told me I prefer not to say anything rather than to post a bad review for you. So yes, I did ask Mark. The first day that I put the podcast out into the open because I was quaking in my boots and thought that nobody in the world would ever listen to it. And I didn't want to have the lonely feeling of of no reviews or no ratings because some podcasts go forever and don't get ratings or or reviews. And I didn't want to suffer those slings and arrows, so I asked Mark to, to help me out. But all the rest are from you, Brave Companions, and I want you to know that I really appreciate it. And on days when I'm feeling especially down, I go back and read those again. They are very encouraging to me. A special thank you and shout out to Sandy and Stephanie from Canada because both of them posted their intro stories on the Who Are the Brave Companions page. Yay, very cool, very interesting. So, Brave Companions, if you feel up to it, I'd love it if you would go to our Who Are the Brave Companions page, post your hello, post your intro. You can tell as little or as much as you like, give any kind of contact information you're comfortable with, like how to get a hold of you on Twitter or, you know, or not. You could say your whole name, your first name, where you live. You don't have to give that. You can tell your hobbies, if you like to cook, if you like to knit, if you like to watch movies. You can tell a little bit about your issues with food. Whatever you want, because the point of this is when you do come to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and you see, let's say, a comment from Sandy, and you go, wow, that's really something. Then if you go to the Who Are the Brave Companions page, you will be able to find Sandy there and know more about her. And who knows, maybe then you'd want to comment back and we can start building relationships. That's the intention behind the Who Are the Brave Companion pages. So, now, on with our letters and comments from the Brave Companion listeners and participants. And I want to start with (laughs) the irony, the irony of it all. Those of you who are caught up with this podcast and listen to podcast day 45 know that a great deal of it was my feeling pathetic and sad and whiny yet again because when I posted episode 44... I can't remember when, maybe it was last Friday or the Friday before last. But I posted it like on a Thursday or a Friday and that whole weekend and into Monday, there was nothing and I got all insecure and I got sad and as Cheryl rightly pointed out, I was also antsy and I couldn't move from my back problems and started to feel invisible not having some brave companions to throw ideas at me. So I kind of pushed the Lori panic button, woe is me. So I walked around the park because that's how I get my feelings out. So part of me was like super, super happy that I was telling you the truth and giving the feelings. Other part was like, oh my God, not another pathetic episode. These guys do better when I'm doing good. These guys do better when I demonstrate being strong. Well, guess what? I'm everything, including pathetic, and I did that. But the irony is, while I was down around the park feeling pathetic and griping, nobody loves me on episode 44, Michelle McKinney posted about episode 44. Now she did do it on episode 43 because she was replying to me on that day, but she gave her thoughts and feelings about episode 44. And my friend Cheryl commented also right when I was about to push the publish button on the episode complaining about for about this. She put one on 44. So we're going to start off with the comments and letters from Michelle Mack and Cheryl all about episode 44. First, let's look at Michelle McKinney's post on day, about day 44, posted as the reply to my post on day 43. Hi, Lori. I finally got a chance to listen to podcast 44 today while I was working. It was great. Get that great. She says it's great. All right. I'm going back to her comment. Very insightful and full of tips. I even went to podcast 12 and listened to that. When I was just beginning and to research binge eating, I did a lot of reading about OA and I do like the AA idea that addicts have an allergy to alcohol, food, drugs, whatever the addiction is, and have a more extreme reaction to an agent than other people might. I do feel at times when I'm at a party, my senses go in major overdrive, I'm overwhelmed with smells and desires, and when I do eat, my taste buds are going wild with sensation. So I do feel that I, my desires, my compulsions are a little bit more extreme than others there might. I guess that's why it's called a compulsion. But I do agree there are better ways to handle it than to get angry and think it's unfair. I have been working on the issue. I think the anger does come from being overly strict and restrictive with my diet. I like very much your idea of eating what the others are, just in smaller portions. Then she goes on to give some background about why fitting in may be triggering issues for her, that that's a big one for her, and what her positive plan will be for her upcoming party. Then Cheryl posted her comment on day 44, as I told you right when I was publishing that whiny day 45 <laughs> about no comments. But Cheryl was extremely grateful for the insight from Michelle Mack's post about fitting in. Cheryl says, First off, that picture of the squirrel on day 44 made me laugh out loud. What in the world was he doing? So, brave companions, before we continue on, I want you, when you get home or wherever, when you can go either with your tablet, phone, or computer to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com day44 slash, and I want you to see the picture I posted of the squirrel that I saw that day when I was walking around Descanso. That day was this super, super hot day from hell. It was so hot, it was literally like roasting eggs here in California. And everywhere I went, I saw these squirrels in the shade, on the cement, positioned like this funny picture was. And at first I thought, my God, they're all dying of heat stroke. But as I approached them, they all scampered away, so they were fine. So the story is that I guess these squirrels, find the shadiest rock or the shadiest piece of cement they can that is a cooler temperature than what's outside and they slap their bellies down spread eagle and it's really funny looking and that's what that picture is on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash day 44 onward back to Cheryl's comment about the episode Secondly, I was so caught off guard by something in Michelle Mack's reply that you read that I thought about it all through the podcast. And I'm wondering if I need to go back and listen to your diary discourse again. What Michelle said that got my attention was that she wanted to be just like everyone else when she was eating around people, that she just wanted to fit in. Such a simple concept, yet it has gone right over my head. I think once you've seen a therapist for something or other, For me, it was grief counseling and headaches. You start overthinking things. You can get caught up in looking too deeply at something. I think that's what I've been doing with my whole fellowship issue at church, which is not helped by the fact that everyone there just fills their plates up too. And I'm going to step away from her comment. That's one of Cheryl's big, big triggers is her after church fellowship time is a real challenge for her. She can do fine at other social occasions, but that one is her zinger. And so she's been working that through for some time. When I'm out with the homies, just as girls, or even as couples, I know it's the companionship that I'm craving and enjoying. I can sit there all night and talk and talk. I have been known to close places down on more than one occasion and take three hours to eat whatever I've ordered. It's not about the food. That's why figuring Sunday out has been difficult. I kept thinking it was about the food or a sweet tooth or the great companionship. But as many theories as I've come up with about why that half hour is so difficult for me, none of them really seemed to square up till I heard Michelle's comments. Then Cheryl goes on with more insights around her issue and was also intrigued by my third bite doesn't taste so great comment. That whole idea really isn't mine and I used to call it a bunch of BS. And again, to recap, If you're really into some delicious flavor, like you're eating a dessert, or some food that just is so delicious to you, and you think that's why you want to eat it, if you take the time to eat one bite, that first bite is fantastic, and it triggers your brain to want a second bite. And that bite is also usually just as fantastic, and that triggers your brain to want a third bite. But if you really pay attention, the third bite, while still delicious, usually is not quite as fantastic as bites one and two. And just to make sure if you take the fourth bite, by then, in my experience, the food will still taste good, but it does not have that same burst of interest and excitement. And part of that is your taste buds are just getting satiated with that flavor. That's why buffets are so dangerous because we like as people to have a lot of different flavors. So like if I gave you a scoop of just vanilla ice cream or as much vanilla ice cream as you want versus vanilla and chocolate, studies have shown that you would eat more of the vanilla and chocolate because you would be getting that smack of new flavor from having these different experiences, okay? And this is not mine. This is in everything from Janine Ross books about compulsive eating, to the intuitive eating scales, and it's all over the place. And whatever expert book I ever read, or every person who ever told me this, I would look them straight in the eye and say, bullshit on that. Ice cream is delicious all the way through, and I don't buy it for a moment. Well, companions, as I've been working through my emotional stress, boredom, whatever issues, I have found to this to be true. If I'm actually focused on food, and we're not always focused on food, that's not even natural to be continually eating food that is super delicious to you. <laughs> Sometimes we just eat because we're hungry or need to have some lunch or something. But if we are in a situation where food is super delicious, one way that I know it is about the food is the four bite rule works for me. If I'm getting that four bite rule, I know that yes, I really wanted this dessert because of how delicious it is, or I was hungry for that particular food. And if the bites all taste the same from one to 10, I know it is not the food. That's how I know. And that could be emotional eating, or that could be hunger. And if it's hunger, after 10 bites of food, I will notice my drive to eat decreases. The food might not taste delicious. And again, if you get overly hungry, all bets are off because you'll just be slamming food down as fast as you can. It will feel a little bit like a binge. It really isn't because in a binge, you kind of turn your body awareness all the way off. And even when you're overeating because you let yourself get too hungry, eventually you will be aware of your body. So then I know that was hungry eating. But when there is no end to it, where I can continue to eat, whether it's very quickly like a true robot alien binge, or I'm just picking, 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 and there's no end in sight, and I don't have body awareness, and yet I'm still wanting to eat, then I know for a fact that there's some kind of emotional thing behind it. Now, whether I can ID that emotion at that moment Not always. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I can become aware of myself and say, wow, you know, this isn't delicious and you're not getting full, so there's something going on. What might that be? And sometimes it might not be the next day, or it might not be until after I record a podcast for you that that I ID what that is. But again, when it is really about food and you wanting to taste food, the four-bite rule will probably work. Bite one is super delicious, two is almost as delicious, three is pretty darn good, but not quite as delicious, and by four, you'll notice that you're getting into the, yeah, it's good, but I could take it or leave it territory. Really, might be bite five for you, I don't know, but when it's about the flavor and the food, your body will give you these these signals on the deliciousness meter, and I found that to be a real help, even if it's after the fact, to diagnose what was it about this situation that caused me to eat a particular thing. Next up, I got two comments from Brave Companions who are not all the way caught up with Compulsive Overeating Diary. And so the first one is from Stephanie from Canada. She posted on day 45 and then followed by Marie who posted on day 42 about catching up with the show. Stephanie says, Hi Lori and Brave Companions, I'm up to episode 29 and I can't wait to be up to speed with all of you. I am ready to join this community and engage myself more deeply but I'm feeling out of phase with you because I'm delayed in my podcast listening. Anyway, trying to catch up, I have this strange feeling that I can't completely engage yet, like I feel some sense or sort of spoiler alert. Well, Stephanie, that really made me chuckle because it was almost like my life is a movie and you don't wanna find out what happens in the end too soon and take all the joy out of the stories that, that I tell in the meantime. Then Marie posted on day 42. Hi, Lori. I just listened to episode 42, and I was touched and that my email inspired you. In fact, I'm stepping off from the comment now. Marie was the crux of why I talked about our authentic selves, one of our most popular episodes ever on episode 42. Back to Marie's comment. I did receive your picture through email. Thank you. I continue to enjoy your podcast, and I'm working to catch up with them. So Marie was also trying to catch up. And, you know, I've heard this from other listeners, too, who say, I can't comment or I can't post or I would love to be part of things, but I'm just not caught up. And today is episode 46. And these episodes, I think the shortest one is like maybe 15, 20 minutes. And now with so many comments and letters, thank you, Brave Companions, and my own rambling thoughts. We're getting closer to half an hour, 45 minutes an episode, so that is a lot of listening to Lori to try to to get caught up. So I've been tossing around an idea of maybe going back and re-recording episode one and putting on the end of it. If you like this episode, feel free to jump ahead to the most current because the topics and discussions will come around again. As you see, I feel pathetic again. I feel brave again. I feel honest again. <laughs> and every episode has its own pluses for the comments that we get from Brave Companions. And while I appreciate my life is like a reality show and it's kind of fun to see it all unfold in order, I don't think it's 100% necessary because, you know, even if you are listening to what's happening today, but because you didn't start listening to Compulsive Overeating Diary until, you know, tomorrow, this might be three or four months from now in my real life, and things might be completely different with me than they are today. So I guess in a way my show is a story, but it's not necessary to listen to them all in order, though I appreciate it that you can if that's what you would like to do. Then Stephanie, as part of her comment, triggered a deeper topic with me. Stephanie asked me if I would agree to a project that she had in mind on blind faith. I knew that she was coming from a good place, but both my integrity with my word and my control issues, if I'm being really honest, made me ask her for more info before agreeing. I really did, Stephanie, give it a thought and was tempted because I thought it might be good for me to step out in blind faith, but I just... You know, if I give my word to do something, I will move heaven and earth to do it. And I just couldn't agree to something blind. That's just how I am at the moment. I just could not do that. And I let Stephanie know this, and she provided me more information on this comment, as well as giving an update on her podcasting dream progress. Hi, Lori. First, I listened to episode 29, where you gave me a shout out. Thanks. Thanks. I wanted to keep you updated on my short podcasting career, laughing out loud. I recorded over and over (laughs) three episodes and realized it was too much for me for now. With my many projects on the go, I chose to let this one go. I must say that through the process, I realized that recording thoughts and feelings in an organized but spontaneous way is quite a task. So congrats to you as you have a natural gift and I admire that. As for catching up on your episodes, I intend doing that in a week or two as I am very, very eager to be up to date. As for my proposition, I came on a little too strong. Let me take a step back a little and explain the context around it. First, I feel that you are very generous with all of us and I want to give back. Because I've been listening to you think out loud, I have this outside, is that the word, view of you? Now remember, Brave Companion, Stephanie is a a French speaker. That's her native language, and she's writing to us in English. I can't bear to think what I would be saying if I was writing even in German, which I know. So let me tell you right now, Stephanie, you get like A plus for writing in English. Let me go back a little bit. okay? Because I have been listening to you think out loud, I have this outside. Is this the word? And I think the word we would use is external, but that was perfectly fine this outside view of you, a little like a mirror maybe. I think my proposal could be my way of saying thanks. Second, I totally understand you holding back. I'm this complete stranger. I do not expect trust at first sight. I feel I know you privately because you podcast. And I guess that for a moment I thought it went both ways. And I forgot I was just listening. You know, a little like Hollywood stars whom you feel you know personally because you've seen them so often. Let me outline my proposition. I was very much inspired by your episodes around perfectionism. It resonated with me since I also think often about my need to control and its relationship with my food issues. The song I'm letting go resonates in that sense too. The need to let go be in the opposite of controlling. My exercise consists in letting go and having faith in pure spontaneity. I'm not sure that's a word. I wanted to propose to you to go to a Zen spot and record, freestyle your thoughts, insights, etc. on a subject related to compulsive overeating. Of course, to keep it spontaneous, I can't say the subject right away, but you would always have the control and option to share the results with us, if you feel it is worth it. I have no idea where this can bring you or us, but I have this hunch it might be interesting. I have heard you many times give examples of how letting go finally gave you such great results. Remember the birthday card that came in the day after you let it go? Remember that letter you got from iHeartRadio just after letting go? I could go on and on with examples. I've heard you say, So this is my gift to you, an exercise about letting go. Please, please feel free to say no. I will not be disappointed, nor mad, nor sad. And now I'm going to go fill in the Who Are the Brave Companions page so you and others can get to know me. And she did. As I said at the start of the show, Stephanie left her story on the Who Are the Brave Companion" page, as did Sandy. And there's two points I think I wanted to address. The first is that you Brave Companions feel that you know me intimately, that we are very best of friends. In fact, Brave Companion Sandy, who I went on to meet in real life, said when she first heard me walking around, she said, wow, that's my friend Lori. (laughs) And it turned out we became friends by meeting in real life. That is my hope and my goal, is that you guys think of me as your friend in a box, (laughs) like, you know, on your iPad, on your phone, on your computer, however you listen to Compulsive Overeating Diary. I am trying to be as genuine with you and talk to you as I would if you were my friend who I was taking a walk with. This is what I used to do with my good friend Marie when she lived in California. We'd walk around the Rose Bowl and we would share our most intimate thoughts as we were exercising. And that always felt so good to me. So that's part of why I do this podcast, is one, when I'm walking around, it lets me think. So it organizes my mind better for me to to talk to you. But also it gives me pleasure to think about Sandy or those of you who listen to me on walks too. You have your earphones on or your earbuds in, and you're listening to me as you're walking. And I want to feel as if I was talking to my friend Marie or talking to my friend Sandy now that I was talking to you, you brave companion. That's why I've always tried to be a companion. So I don't think it's inappropriate that you feel like you are my friend because you are my virtual friend at this point. And let's be honest, you probably know more about me from this this crazy podcast where I'm spilling all my thoughts and feelings than you might about some of your friends and acquaintances in real life because normally it takes and it would be good sense to take a long time of getting to know somebody before you have deep conversations on this level. I would not normally recommend that you say, how do you do, sit down with a stranger and then tell them all this stuff like I'm telling you. And because of that, it probably does create a personal bond feeling. And I feel it too. That's probably why I get her feelings, right? You are more to me than just anonymous internet commenters who tell me your thoughts and feelings. When I get to know you, like when the Michelles comment, or when Crystal gave me advice for my birthday, or when Stefano sends me an email, I feel like I'm getting to know you. I feel like you guys are being my virtual friends. And if any of you were in the LA area or traveled to the LA area, I would be more than happy to meet you in a public place and go for a walk and say hello and see how it turns out. With Sandy, we're becoming real friends. you know. So it's possible, it's very possible, Stephanie, that if you came to L.A. for a travel or for a business and we met up in a public place and went for a walk and had a cup of tea, we might become friends in real life as well. So I don't think it's odd and I don't feel stalked or anything. I, I understand that feeling and I want you to know that I kind of share it. But I also understand the other boundary that my real life is my real life and the people who know me in real life have a little bit different take on me and who I am than what you guys are creating in your head based on my story. Because no matter how good a storyteller I may be or what I say, you still are taking me at my own face value. You're also putting onto me pictures and masks and assumptions from your own bringing up and from your own lives and kind of what you hope me to be a little bit. We all can't help that. And Stephanie's very right. It's just like how I feel about certain you know, movie stars or singers or people too that have meant a great deal in my life who might not know me whatsoever but I've listened to them so much or I've seen them so much that I actually have an emotional connection to them. Do I think that they're really my friend in real life? No. But online friendships can occur too. My friend Cheryl and I have never met in real life But we have been online companions and talk on the phone. And we have been online companions for so long. I count Cheryl as someone I would call a real friend. And if I met Cheryl in real life, it would probably feel no different than me knowing Cheryl in our online life. Because this has been an online relationship of years and years and years. So the friendship comes in all packages. Let me get off of that and on to the second point that Stephanie proposes. I actually think this is a really cool idea. It's rather like if you go to the comedy improv, there's some bits where comedians will do skits and people will yell out words like baseball, Ghana, French, or other words, and then make a a skit about that. They have to use their comedy talent to make these connections and then come up with a fresh on-the-spot comedy routine and if I understand what Stephanie's proposing she wants to herself provide me with a topic that comes from her and just see what I would say about it without you know writing pre-show notes or without going over it too much just see what comes out of my brain kind of like a compulsive overeating improv bit and I think that kind of sounds fun And I'm putting it out there for you. What do you think, Brave Companions? Would that be fun for you too to be able to send me just a brief snippet of something that you'd like me to talk about? You know? Let me know. Because if you do, that, we'll set up a process to do that. And that might be kind of fun for me. So, Stephanie, thank you for your comments. Thank you for being brave and putting your story on the the Who are the Brave Companions page. And to end up this show, I kind of want to now figure out how to tell you the story of yesterday, because it's going to be tough. And the two reasons it's going to be tough are, one, I have to admit to you that I definitely invited the robot aliens in yesterday morning, and I feel a lot of shame about that, but what happened at the end of the day was so much worse and so much more meaningful to me that the robot alien attack is almost like, oh, well, been there, done that, not a big deal. And it it's really taught me a big lesson between my general fears or my general frustrations and my true, true fears and things happen that I can't control that freak me out. The second reason why this is gonna be hard is I need to tell you my true story in a way that I'm not giving you any details because it involves real people in my life and I don't feel comfortable saying who they are or what happened, but it was so, so iconic. me. It was such a breakthrough for me. I'm going to give it my best shot. So if immediately after this announcement, we get into the I care, (laughs) take care because if I immediately get into ending the show and you don't get a story, you'll know that when I came to editing, I could not figure out a way to tell you this story without revealing things I don't want to reveal. So let me go way, 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 way back in the way back machine. And you all can do this too. And think about all of the families that you know or knew as kids and how they interact with each other and what they're like. And I'm betting you can come up with several kinds of families and extended families. Those that are in each other's pockets, some that really aren't, some who are very focused on academic success. Some are very focused on sports success. Some, you know, there's just all different levels of how close families and extended families are with each other. And, and they're all different. And however you grew up in your family is how you experience life. And if someone else, like my husband grew up in a different type of family than mine, so his experience of family is very different from mine, and so forth and so forth. My friend Jane has a different experience. Everyone has a different experience. And just like Stephanie was talking about how she felt like she knew me because she heard my stories, from the outside, you guys would be making assumptions about me just from what I've told you. From the outside, a lot of people would view family lives as how they see it from the outside. And that's not necessarily how it is on the inside. Now, a lot of families that have different addiction problems or dysfunction have this this feeling where you're one way in the core of your family interactions and you behave a different way in public. So the neighbor might have a different impression of what's going on than what's really going on. And that's even true with friendships, marriages, relationships of all type. I could have one relationship with one friend And that friend could have a relationship with another friend that is completely different than the one that he or she has with me. Because any two people that are interacting have different experience. Every one of our relationships with each other is different. So even though I'm the same person, my relationship with my husband is different than a relationship with my extended family member, is different than my relationship with a new friend like Sandy, is different than a relationship with a longtime friend like my friend Marie, who now lives in another state. You know, all of these relationships are different, even though I am in them. I'm hoping that this makes some sense. <laughs> but... Basically, the relationships and our reality and our perception of them are true for us as they are for us. And as they are for us is not necessarily true for another person either having a relationship with us or having a relationship with somebody else in our circle, our family circle, our friendship circle, any one of our circles. And I hope this isn't too convoluted. But what happened to me yesterday is I've shared with you guys before that my growing up time was not the best, and I really can't put fault on anyone for it. I can't point to one destructive incident or moment or anything like that. But overall, the the tenor of my life was very unhappy. It is not something that I look forward to having to remember, and... I don't like going back to the areas where I grew up or revisiting things that trigger those feelings for me. And I put that on me. That is how it is. And there are various relationships back home in Washington that I have that are challenging for me. They just are. And some of the challenging relationships I have are not challenging for others in relationships with the same individuals. I have a lot of issues that make many relationships challenging for me. That people who did not grow up in the way that I did and didn't experience not only my family, extended family, and friendship-type life, just all of the attributes of my experience cannot get me and cannot have empathy with me because my experience does not resonate at all. It's like I could not write any post to Stephanie in French because I know so very little French. I could maybe say bonjour or try to go on Google and translate my words, but I don't know any French, and so I couldn't even make an attempt, if I had to, to write her a letter in French right now. I could make some attempt to write a letter in German because I know some of that language, And my letter would be wrong because I'm not a native-speaking German speaker. I'm not fluent enough that I could come close. But I could at least communicate some of my thoughts and feelings in German. I could because I know a little bit about that language. And I think as relationships, we have a relationship language that we can or cannot understand. And sometimes the disconnect between these relationships languages means that people make assumptions about you and what you should be doing that maybe is different than your own reality. So here I'm speaking about me. Yesterday I was sitting on the sofa in the evening, my husband and I were watching our rerun of The Voice finale. And I'm not going to tell you anything because we watch all of our shows pretty much the day after they occur. So we spend a lot of time trying to avoid the internet and not find out what happens until we see it. So we were sitting down on the sofa together, enjoying The Voice, when I got a phone call from a person in my life back home who felt that I ought to do something in kind of an immediate manner to take care of something that probably was not in my best interest to do. And I had to tell this person, no. And this is the first time I've ever told anybody from back home, no. <laughs> I, just, I just haven't done that. I've always kind of got that bad gut feeling feeling, and did anything that I could to accommodate everybody, to try real hard to be a good girl and be responsible and, and do what anyone thinks I ought to do. Whatever I ought to do, I would try to do. And this request came from somebody that is very important to me and who I appreciate very much and who I would love to please but their request came from things that were going on in their life and things that are happening for them. And from the outside, the request made sense, and I care for them, and I understand it, but I was not able to say yes. And when I said no, this person could not accept it right away, and so then I had to build up my courage and say no multiple times on this phone call. And after I hung up, I really felt like crap and felt terrible. I felt very, very bad. So I made some other phone calls to look further into the whole situation, got more comfort in understanding that the emergency sort of feelings weren't really accurate to the facts, made other phone calls to see if it would indeed be like in the best interest of all for me to come take care of this stuff in person and found out that no, that really wasn't the case. And then what was super scary is I called the original phone caller and I let them know that the emergency situation wasn't as bad as it first seemed so that they could have relief around that topic. But then I also shared with them a little tiny bit of my experience and why this was not going to work for me. In other words, Brave Companions, I told this person some of my real truth. And this is cracking my mask completely into shattering bits to say this to someone who I knew would not have the ability to understand it, but at that moment in time, I just couldn't tolerate or come up with another excuse because my choice usually was make an excuse or to go do whatever anybody wanted me to do. It's very rarely that I felt like I could say in these really important situations the truth and I did that and in some ways I'm very glad I did because I think it makes things more clear in my communications with this person who I care about very deeply will be on a more deep and real level and things won't feel so odd but this was very very challenging And I'm not sure that this was the right moment to be saying some of my truth. Since this person had their own things going on, I feel kind of like I was putting some of my emotional baggage onto a person who didn't need any baggage at this time. And the funny thing is, Brave Companions, remember the robot aliens who hit me because I felt that I was so sad about my back going out again and, and wondering about feeling pathetic on my show and and wondering about, are you guys going to comment and other stuff in my life? That robot alien attack was almost like having something to do, something to do to, to calm my anxieties. But this grief, I felt it really opening myself up to somebody important and telling them the real deal with me. And how sad I felt over how much I wished things were different. How I wished I could say wholeheartedly yes. How I wished that who I was was different. But I'm not. That grief is so, so hard that I didn't want to eat a thing. I still didn't want to eat a thing even this morning. But I did have a little banana because I know my body needed some more nutrition. Right now, companions, it's well past lunchtime for me. And I still don't want to eat a thing. Because I'm feeling all the way through my entire body I'm feeling from the tips of my toes to my head and out into the universe, I am feeling all of these feelings and telling you these feelings that the robot aliens have tried to keep me from. And as I'm experiencing these feelings, I'm trying to let them go and know that through all this situation, I did the best that I could with kindness in my heart And the chips are going to fall where they fall. And I think this was a very important lesson to me, companions. And I'm hoping that maybe this is a resonating lesson for some of you. And that's why I'm trying to tell you without saying what actually happened. So I hope it worked out. And until next time, I want you all to take really good care. Because from the bottom of my heart, I care. a slave without a master heading for disaster kicking up the dust in the middle of the road i've been waiting on a free ride ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of puget sound